Hello, welcome to episode 31 of the Eupopolis podcast. I'm Kristen Nogler, child life specialist, host of the podcast, and Eupopolis's national program manager. Now, this is something that is very near and dear to my heart because I think it's extremely as important, especially as a child life specialist who used to practice in an emergency department. Thinking about parental coping and supporting parents as they support their children and making sure that they know and are comfortable with their role in the hospital environment because it does take them out of their traditional element, their normal environment, and puts them kind of in a vulnerable position. One of the things that Tia, who looks after our social media, posted, she does these um, Wellness Wednesdays and she posts these really cute sky note images. And one of them was, your body hears everything your mind says. And I always say to parents when I was working in emergency, your face always shows your child everything you're thinking, thinking about parents and helping them to cope in situations and helping them to have all those strategies in place so that they show up both physically um, and visually and (laughs) auditory in their conversations and stuff that they're having and in the ways that they're listening to their children in a way that is supportive and positive and helpful. There's nothing different than or harder to get a child to feel good about a situation when you're trying to have sutures done to them and their parent has this look on their face of horror because, of course, it's something that they're not used to seeing. So as we are looking at this week being a week where we think about self-care and there's been tons of conversation about self-care over the last little bit, especially as we're year two into this pandemic, post-pandemic stuff, and people are exhausted. And I also find that people in conversations that I've been having are like exhausted at the thought of self-care. It seems like work and our baseline is way down low. So everything seems like it's, um, you know, work, not just enjoyment. And in our social, there there was some absolutely free self-care ideas shared. One of them was things like listening to a podcast. Another was just decluttering. Think about when you're in hospital or you're have your kids home for the summer and things just get out of sorts and unorganized and mixed up. And it's really hard to cope and feel positive and productive in an environment that's chaos. Um, And it's one thing that leads to a huge amount of anxiety. So thinking about just taking five minutes or dedicating a small chunk of time to getting that organized so that you can have long-term gain and feeling good and less anxious about having that over your head as well. Taking one meal and eating it outside, I know that can be tricky, especially if you're a parent in hospital with some of restrictions that might have been in place. But if you can get that support for your child and you can sneak outside and just enjoy a meal under a tree, a little picnic type lunch and bonus if you can get your child to go out there with you. And if you're at home, just make that a habit of just getting outside, sitting on the doorstep even. It doesn't have to be a grand adventure, just getting outside, getting some vitamin D and enjoying that fresh air. One of the other things was just making, if you want to be creative, make a homemade face mask. Taking a local walk or stroll on a park or somewhere near your home that has nature that just feels less chaotic and less busy than um, maybe a busy urban setting um, or just a high traffic area, or it is out of the um, concrete walls of a hospital, just getting outside and soaking up some nature. I know lots of 
hospitals have like little pediatric parks and that type of thing that families can take advantage of and feel free to like tap in and ask about those. Whereas some other things on the list there that Tia included in finding apps on your phone um, that can allow you to make uh, little lists or little vision boards, um, things to look forward to for the future and to make some plans because sometimes we're just stuck in the moment of the day and getting through the day. So just as a way to give you some hope and to give you guys some talking points, right? How great is it to be working on a little vision board and have those talking points for when a procedure or something has to happen? So I tell you, this all triggered in relation to this self-care week, our self-care day that's coming up this week. One of the things I was looking at and thinking about was just helping families and thinking about what families need. And one of those things is, like I said, paternal or parental coping. And I happened to stumble upon a new document that I wanted to make sure all my child life friends know about. And it was put out by the ACLP, which is the Association of Child Life Professionals in 2020. And it's called The Value of a Certified Child Life Specialist, Direct and Downstream Optimization of Pediatric Patient and Family Outcomes. There is about 10 child life specialists who were involved in the research for this document. And it has some really great information, which I think is valuable to check out and lots of current research. They included some research in there related to this topic that I was going to talk about today, including the Journal of Pediatric Surgery, an article on the benefits of family-centered approach to pediatric induction to anesthesia, issues in comprehending comprehensive nursing had um, Nabors et al.'s article play as a mechanism for working through medical trauma for children with medical illness and their siblings. And another one that I was really interested in was Sanchez et al.'s um, Child Life Reducing the Distress and Pain and Improving Patient and Family or Improving Family Satisfaction in the ED. There was a ton of research involved in this document that ACLP put out uh, for their membership. And I just wanted to draw some attention to that and talk about this research shows that when we help parents, we may help them to figure out coping strategies and what works for them. And we help them to know when to use them and actually decreases their anxiety and their stress around hospitalization and procedures. And it increases their satisfaction with their experience. One, you're getting the patients involved or the parents involved, and they're getting less stress and less distress. Um, but also, as a result of that, their children are coping better and their parents' confidence is growing. So as the parent becomes more confident and the children are seeing that and they're feeling that because they all feel your energy, they see your reactions to things. So the children, they were saying that as they supported families, to have coping skills and education and to put those into practice, that parents' confidence was growing and the children, therefore, were coping better. What does that look like? It looks like balancing responsibilities. We need to make sure that patients and families, that they feel comfortable, that they're equal part of the team. You hear a lot about that. It's not offset. We want to support them, help them figure out what their level of involvement will be what learning needs they have and how we can plan to help meet those, help them figure out what their questions are and who are the best people to be involved. And so we make sure we keep the whole family connected, that we're not necessarily maybe just favoring or giving priority to one parent, making sure that there's an equal balance 
as they've identified they want to have within the family, but then also an equal balance between the healthcare team members, the actual staff of the hospital and the family and supporting and coaching parents. And often you'll see this done through people sitting down with families and asking them to think of before a meeting and stuff about what questions they might have and writing them down and knowing who they might want to ask specific questions. That's it. We want to help them plan. We want to determine their level of involvement. We want to support them and coach them. And we want to just make sure that they know that they are a part of that team and a very important part of that team. Having parents be involved in that way makes their children more cooperative. It is more impactful. What does some of that stuff look like? It looks like preparing them, making them know, making sure they know if they have to go to something like an IV or an MRI, what steps they're going to expect to be followed, what things they're going to smell, what are they get, what's going to be asked to them, what will their job be, what will they see or hear, what will be their connection with their child while they're there, like is it something that they can't be in the room for, or that they can be in the room for, are they able to have their children on their lap, is what's available to them, what supports, how long are they going to have to wait. It's about having people there to also support the child and parent through a procedure. Having someone who's really focused on them, supporting their needs, while somebody like the nurse or the lab tech is doing their role in, yes, they can support the family as well, but they're doing their role in getting the blood work or getting in the IV or whatever they need to do to perform the tests they need. And then having someone to focus on making sure that the child and the parent have the information and they're coping as needed to get a positive outcome. And then thinking about education, like I said, I mentioned that before, but not just education around a test or procedure, but education around like the child's diagnosis. We don't want to just be, everyone learns in different ways. And also at a high stress time, like a new diagnosis, people are just getting handed and so much information, but so many other thoughts are going on inside their head. Like, what about my other children? What about my job? What about, and they have friends questions coming in and all this stuff. So there's so many things. So finding out from them, like, what type of learner are they? How do they want some information? Can you give them some stuff? Can you sit down with them and have a discussion? Who's the best person on the team to have that discussion with them? Who's the best person to go back in and check with what they have taken in during that discussion? Who's the best person to sit down and help them write down other questions they have that they didn't get answers to or what other resources can be shared with them as a follow-up? Just making sure that They also have the words and the resources they need to help educate their child on what's going on. We know that when we do all these things, the parents feel like part of the team. They feel engaged. They feel like they have a better experience. And it sets them up for better better future experiences around medical things, especially them and their child. So it's just a positive thing for everybody. When you think of self-care this way, what I want you to think about is self-care in terms of how are you communicating with families? What level are you using for those communications? What touch points or check-in are you doing? What opportunities are you giving families to make sure that they have a little bit of time for themselves? Like, is there volunteers? Is there an activity area? Is there other staff? Are you available? Who is available to give them mini breaks 
Uh, one of the girls I follow on social actually calls them mini vacations. <laughs> so every day you block out a little time where you have this little mini vacation and you just do something that's not work related. So for her parent, it's not about organizing and coordinating and running errands, which it can be helpful to get those things checked off your list and that self-care too, because it alleviates all that stress. But just having a mini vacation to go down to the coffee shop and get a coffee for 20 minutes and thinking about those things. So this is parental coping, maternal coping. This is one of the main things outside of when we're looking at assessments and how family is going to do or what support they need. Some of the things that we're looking at, this is one of the top three. The other two things we're looking at is like the reaction to hospitalization, their past experiences, things related to this is one of those things we're looking at. It's one of the top three things we're looking at as child aid specialists in how families are going to do, what support they're going to need when we're doing like a little assessment um, to see what type of service they need. This is one of the main things that we're looking at. It's one of the main things that research show is extremely important that parents, mothers, fathers, caregivers have good education and good support for coping while in hospital and that they get I just want to leave you with this. It's another one of the posts that T have put in social. It says the secret to change is to, to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but building the, on the new. And I think that's extremely important. And what I was just saying is that this is kind of the new norm. We all had to do this when it came to COVID, right? We had to stop saying, well, this is how it used to be. This is how it used to be. This is um, something. It might be something that's permanent. If not, it's like perm permanent for the time being. It's the way of life for the time being, this diagnosis. Grieving maybe that old way, but as a way of grieving, that is also putting some focus into caring and coping and living in the now and preparing for the now, doing the best you can in that environment rather than getting stuck. That stuck will always get frustration and bring you down and really get you spiraling. So in an attempt to ensure that you have a positive experience and families have a positive experience, find that balanced responsibility, find those coping strategies that will help them and really support them in their learning needs. So that is what I have to share with you today. I'm excited to have Jordan and Melissa joining me for the next podcast, which will be episode 32, where we're going to talk about um, what youth can expect in grief support from Upopolis. So when it comes to us talking about grief groups that we offer virtually or being a member of the Upopolis Grief Island, um, they're going to talk about all those things. So I invite you to stay tuned for episode 32. And thank you for listening today. I hope you got some value out of this. And if you're a child aid specialist, be sure to check out that document from the ACLP in 2020. Thanks.